somebody says, well, what can I do about my problem? I'll tell you what you do about your problems. Get, get in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And let Him feel you. Let Him feel you and uh, your troubles will be taken care of. And you know what? There's no reason for those that love God. Do you love God this morning? Raise your hand. There's no reason for all of us this morning who love God to be able to, to, to work out any problems we have, any situations we have, and come together in the Spirit of Christ and, and let the Lord settle all of our matters and all of our troubles and problems and come together in agreement in the Spirit, in the love of God. Amen? Amen. And, and, and hold fast to that. Don't let the enemy, don't let the enemy drive a wedge between us and cause division among us. But let us stand fast together in the love of God because that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to, he wants to bring division and, and uh, create you know, problems with people. And the Lord, the Lord is, is telling us, look, stand fast in the spirit of liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And let's not make this, uh, Satan wants to, he wants to create all kinds of, of legal claims and lawful things. And God says, look, love one another. You know, you know, what the, you know what the big answer to the marriage problem today is? Is love. Amen. <clears throat> Amen? Amen. The, 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 how do you solve the marriage problem? Love. How do you solve the problem between children and, and parents? Love. How do you solve the problem in churches when there's problems in the church? Is love. How do we solve it? Is the love of God. And love one another and, and, and treat each other fairly and justly and right. And do those things that's pleasing in God's eyes. And God will cause everything to work out. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord will cause great and mighty things to happen in our lives. If we'll just, amen. <clears throat> if we'll just come to Him and just be filled with Him. Amen. And trust Him. He'll do it. Amen. amen. Praise God. He will. All right. I'm going to give you this morning a, to start off with, I want to give you a little history lesson. Is that okay? A little bit of a history lesson. How many is ready for a history lesson? Maybe I'll tell you some things that maybe you didn't know. <clears throat> Amen. Turn with me in your, in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's just start at the beginning. Chapter 1. Amen. 1 Corinthians. Amen. I've been praying and asking the Lord, so Lord... You know, you know, as a preacher, I said, Lord, what do you want me to say, preach? What do you have in mind? And the Lord said, just be filled with me. Just be filled with my word, and I'll, I'll let you know. Uh, so I've been thinking, well, maybe I'll just start from the beginning and just go, just go through it. <laughs> Amen. Start the beginning of some book, some letter, and just, just begin with it and go with it. Uh, it's good to know. It's good to know the things we read, amen? amen. And to know a little bit of facts about uh, the reason why Paul wrote the things he wrote. Uh, a little bit of background, a little history behind uh, uh, some of the things that he said and why he said them. So it's interesting to note uh, the history of Corinth, the, the city of Corinth. That's what I want to speak to you about this morning. Uh, <clears throat> And I had to write these things down because it's hard to remember all those facts. Uh, but I wanted you to—I wanted you to have these facts, and maybe you can remember them as you as you go along. Next time you read the book of Corinthians, you'll remember this. Uh, Corinth was a was a mighty city. In in ancient times, the the city of Corinth uh, was built twice. The first time the city was built was in 1500 BC. It's a long time before Christ, 1,500 years before Christ. The city was uh, basically Greek, and they had a great temple there uh, that was built on a hill that you could see from far out at sea where they worshipped Aphrodite. How many ever heard of the goddess Aphrodite? Uh, was a well-known uh, and greatly uh, worshipped uh, goddess in those times. 
Uh, you've heard of, probably heard that name in Greek mythology and Greek literature, Aphrodite. Uh, that's where her temple was located. And many from all over the world worshipped her and came to Corinth uh, to pay homage in those times. The ancient world uh, was uh, steeped, was totally submerged, was totally... Uh, smothered in uh, idol worship, uh, Greek Greek lore, Greek mythology. Uh, there was no such thing as knowing about the true and living God. All men worshipped these idols and had uh, fantastic, beautiful temples that they built to house their gods and goddesses. And they would come from far and wide to pay homage and worship. At that time, Corinth, being the city that it was, had they said they said at that time they had a thousand female slaves in the city who served uh, as prostitutes uh, in the temple and in the streets of the city. They also served as entertainers. Uh, on stage, in theaters. They had a theater at that time, uh, an amphitheater, an open theater, that would house 20,000 people uh, at that time. And sailors would come from far and wide to the city of Corinth. For it was famous for its uh, uh, variety of pleasures, offered to them. Corinth had two ports. It had two seaports on the west and east coast. The east coast would, was open to Asia, the west coast being open to the western world, to Italy, to Rome, and to, to everywhere. And, and so the city became a very great commercial hub, a city of, uh, of commerce. Ships from all over the world came to Corinth Bearing their precious goods, and they sought, they bought, and sold, and traded goods all over the world. And Corinth was one of the great commercial hubs at that time. Uh, for fifteen hundred years, it went on, uh, uh, or thirteen, fourteen hundred years. But in the year about the year one hundred and forty-nine, one forty-nine BC, which is about 1,350 years later, the Romans came and sacked the city, destroyed the whole city. And uh, Julius Caesar came in and restored the city and uh, rebuilt it, rebuilt the city. Uh, and it became, once again, as it was before, but this time it was a little different. At the time, the first time, Corinth was made chiefly of Greeks. But when it was rebuilt by Julius Caesar, uh, the city became a great city again. And what was in the old flowed over into the new. What, what they did in times before, they were doing now, except now the city was made up of different nationalities. There were Greeks and there was... Uh, Orientals, from people from, from the Orient, what we call the Oriental world, from the Orient, Asia, uh, different nationalities, different races of people that lived in the city. And also, the city, the population of this city, half of this population was made up of slaves. They were slaves. And so, Corinth became... Once again, a great city of commerce and trade. And it became the city where, uh, as before, people came from everywhere to enjoy the pleasures that the city uh, had offered them. There was a word that they used called Corinthazami. Corinthamazia, I believe is how you pronounce that. And it was commonly it was commonly used by people, and what it meant was to act Corinthian. 
uh, it's kind of like saying, uh, you know, uh, acting like a, well, I don't know, like uh, like an American, or like uh, act, you're acting like a uh, you know uh, whatever nationality you might be. <clears throat> Here it went: you you act, you're acting or behaving like a Corinthian, and what that meant was that you were uh, the the word the word actually means to commit fornication. So. Uh, people came from everywhere to Corinth to indulge in all kind of sensual vices. Uh, it was a very corrupt city. Uh, it was uh, a moral cesspool. Uh, it was depraved. It was like Sodom and Gomorrah. It became so depraved. Even they boasted of their they boasted of their Greek philosophy and wisdom. You know the Greeks were were very uh, proud of their heritage of being the having the wise philosophers and the wisdom of the world and be able to teach the world all this wisdom and knowledge that they had. But even their own religion be, became depraved to the point where they treated their own religion with it became nothing but sensuality. Uh, to them, it became just just uh, you know the more sensual, the more. Uh, morally depraved you were, uh, the better it was. And life is to be lived to the fullest. And the way you can live it to the fullest and enjoy and have a good time in life is go to Corinth. Amen. Let's go to Corinth and have a party. Let's go to Corinth and forget about the rest of the world. Let's go to Corinth. And so all the seamen and all the... the, uh, Seagoing men and people of the world would, would uh, take a vacation perhaps and say, well, we're going to Corinth. And wow, we're going to Corinth. There at Corinth, they had the, what they call the, uh, what they call that? The, the uh, I can't pronounce that word hardly. It's, it's men. It's, 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 <laughs> games. They were second to the Olympics. How many's heard of the Olympics? The Olympics were, the, of course, the number one games of the world at the time. But they were second to none. They were second to the Olympics. And people would come from everywhere to be in these games. And so Paul speaks about, you know, in his letters, about running the race. And, and what he's got in mind, what he's writing to, he's writing to Greeks who can understand his meaning of running the race because there they had the games where people would get it. They had the, the games of the races. You know, they'd run, they'd run in the races and uh, like the Olympics. And, and they had different games that they played. And, and so Paul was, a, was appealing to, their, uh, to things that they were uh, familiar with uh, and tried to draw a picture in their minds about how this Christian life is like a game running in a race, you know. And so... Uh, and so this city is very corrupt, very depraved. Uh, it was a moral cesspool. It, it was famous for all its debauchery. It was, it, it, it was drunk on, on uh, corruption. And it was a filth of the world. It was a sloth of sin. Uh, and it was, but it was from this, it was from this place. When Paul saw this, when he came there, uh, at that time when he came to Corinth and he saw the condition of the city and he, re- and he knew he had heard of it, everybody had heard of Corinth and when Paul got there, I imagine, I imagine he couldn't believe his eyes, he couldn't believe what he saw. Uh, he, may have, he may have been approached by somebody on the streets himself. I'm sure he probably was. It was probably nothing to walk down the street of Corinth and have somebody to approach you, you know, uh, a woman or a man, uh, uh, you know. Uh, and so Paul realized, man, this, this city needs Jesus. This place needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And so it is in this corrupt city and, you know, when I, talk, when I speak about Corinth, it sounds familiar, don't of, of some, some places today in the world. There are cities in the world today that are just as corrupt today. Everywhere. Everywhere you go, there's, there's corruption everywhere, like, just like it was in those times. So things is not really new. Or things hasn't really changed. Sin is still sin. Uh, 
Satan is always at work. He's always uh, at work in the world, corrupting and destroying and, 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 and bringing all this, uh, you know, uh, in the world. But God is still God. Amen. Amen. God is still God. No matter how dark the world is or how bad the world is, God is still God. And so when Paul came in, the, the uh, praise God, he, he, was, he was a uh, champion for God. And when he came into the city, it didn't, it, didn't, uh, it didn't hinder him one bit. It didn't phase him one iota. It didn't stop him one bit from proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. When, when Paul met Corinth and Corinth met Paul, they met somebody that they couldn't, they couldn't win over. Amen? I wish to God we had more Apostle Pauls today. Amen? That the world can't win over. You come, come into the world of Corinth or Rome or wherever you go, and no matter how debauched it is, no matter how corrupt it is, praise God, God's man is going to stand up and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Hallelujah. That is what you are called for. That's what I am called for. To stand up in the face of a depraved and corrupt world and declare Jesus Christ. Amen. And it doesn't matter how overwhelming it may seem. When Paul walked into that city, I'm sure it was dark and depraved. And he felt weird walking through the city. Man, I've been in places like that. When you walk in, you, feel, you just feel the, you feel the darkness is so dark. The darkness of sin is so dark that you can feel it. You can feel the evil spirits, you know, they're, they're flying around you. They're, they're all around you. They're pressing in. But Paul says, no, greater is he that's in me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And so it is, it is from this debauched, this debauchery, it is from this evil, corrupt place this world-famous, uh, where, where people would come to relax and have a good time of the flesh. Get drunk. Amen. Do what you want to do. Forget about the rest of the world. You're in Corinth, man. It's time to it's time to get it's time <laughs> it's time to get, uh, to get turned loose and get with it and have a good time in the world. And people came from everywhere to do this. And Paul, when Paul walked in, hallelujah. I believe when Paul walked into that city, the devil must turn around and look and say, uh-oh, we're in trouble now. <laughs> uh-oh, we're in trouble now. Praise God. But it was from this place, this awful corruption, that souls were extracted or souls were saved. It was from this city of overwhelming evil and corruption that the grace of God brought in lost souls to Christ. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, there's your little history uh, lesson on Corinth. It is no wonder that Paul exclaimed and said that when he came to Corinth, the city of Greece, the Greek philosophers and the Greek-minded people. It is no wonder that Paul said, I know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah. In the face of evil, in the face of all that lay before Him, Paul said, I don't want to know anything about anything that you do here. I came to tell you something that you've never heard before. I came to bring you good news about a man named Jesus who died upon the cross not too long ago in the city of Jerusalem. And he died upon that cross for you. Hallelujah. And he proclaimed the light of the gospel in a dark world. Facing the most corrupt and the most uh, perversive people on earth. The most scornful. I can imagine as Paul walked the streets talking to the people about the Lord, that he was scorned and mocked 
and laughed at and ridiculed and rejected by most of the people. But God says, Paul, he told him in the book of Acts in the 18th chapter, he says, Paul, don't be afraid to go into the city and preach my word because I have many people in this city. And no one, no one, God, Jesus told him, says, no one in this city, the city of Corinth, is going to lay a hand on you. No man is going to touch you. Go in there and proclaim my word because I have people in this city. And so Paul went in there. Praise God. He went into the lion's den. Man, he went into the darkest place. He went into the depraved city of Corinth. He went into where no man, no angel there, dear Trent. He went in, praise God, in a place where, where Christians certainly wouldn't want to be caught dead, let alone alive. Amen. But there he was. He said, I came to do the will of my Father, and he's going to do what he's going to do. And Satan is not going to hinder what God does. Hallelujah. Just like he told him when Jesus was here, he said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. Amen. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So it doesn't matter how corrupt this city is. God says, what I'm going to do, I'm going to do. You go in there and tell them what I told you. So Paul goes in there boldly, boldly. In the face of ridicule, in the face of, of all that was perverse, in the face of, of evil, proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, I tell you, could you pick out a city, if you think about a city in your mind that, to this today, in this country, just think of the worst city that you can think of. And I'm not going to mention any names. But you think in your own mind of the worst city that you could think of today, where they're the most corrupt and the most depraved live this very day in America and you walking down the streets of that city proclaiming Jesus Christ on every street corner shouting out and preaching out loud to the people as they pass by now in today's world it was different of course in the day of Paul they didn't drive automobiles and ride bicycles they weren't in taxis and, you know, and running to and fro and in a hurry to get, to, get, to get somewhere. Everywhere people went in the city at that time was walking everywhere they went, you know. And people at that time, uh, probably a little bit more courteous than people are today. They at least stopped and listened to what you got to say. Nowadays they hear a guy preach, oh, we heard that, we don't hear that crazy preacher down there on the corner, you know. And they just go on. Uh, in those days, at least Greeks would stop and listen to what you have to say because they were very... Uh, uh, children of the mind as they were called they were called children of the mind and so they loved to hear philosophical debate and conversation they loved to get involved in the conversation and so when Paul began to tell them about Jesus and how he rose from the dead praise God they, they said oh we don't know about that you know rising from the dead we don't know about that but you know so they began to mock and make fun but God says don't be afraid proclaim and tell them what's happened because I have people here in this city. And so Paul begins to proclaim, by the grace of God, he starts off saying, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Now the reason why Paul says that to them is because he's letting them know, look, I have the authority from God to do what I do. I am who I am based solely upon the authority of of God. You may wonder and ask why, how it is that I, that I do what I do and say what I say and who I am and why I even come to you. What gives me the right, what gives me the authority to do what I do? And I want you to know right off, it is by the will of God. Hallelujah. People today say you don't have a right to say anything to somebody about what they're doing when you know they're sinful, when they're, when they're sinning, when they're going the wrong direction. You don't have any right to tell them, yes, I do. The right is the will of God. And God, God's authority is greater than all. God's authority trumps all authority. God's word, God's will, God's, uh, what God wants trumps all of what man says or what man wants. It doesn't matter what man says or what he, what he says you can do or can't do. God says go do it, it's okay. 
I'll do it. Yes. Hallelujah. You know, we live in a we live in a society today about this political correction stuff. You know, you got to be politically correct and don't say anything. You're gonna, you know, you're going to offend somebody, and and uh, you have to tolerate everything and everybody. And let me tell you something: when God says to do something, you do it. When God says, when God says, you tell him what I said, you tell him what God says. It doesn't matter who it offends. You tell it. Speak, speak the truth, Amen. And God will take care of you, and God will do His work. He wants to. He can't do His work if we don't speak up for it. If we don't say what God tells us to say, how are the people going to hear? How are they going to know? Somebody needs to tell them the truth. Somebody needs to stand up and speak the truth today. Amen. In spite of political correctness, in spite of what society is trying to push off on us today, God's word never changes. Sin is sin. Right is right and wrong is wrong and somebody needs to tell them. Amen. And so the Lord has sent me and you to tell the world, this is what God is saying. And I have the authority by the will of God. It's God's will. God's not setting up there saying, oh, you better not say that. You might hurt their feelings. No. That's, that's man's thinking. That's the way men thinks. God's not interested in your feelings. He's interested in your soul. He wants your soul to be saved. He doesn't care about how you feel. He's, he's telling you, listen to what I say. This is my will for your life. This is my will. This is what I say. And this is what I say is right. And this is what I say is wrong. Believe what I say. Listen to what I say. Open your heart. Your heart. Open your ears. Listen to what I say. Because I am God. And there is no other God beside me. When Paul went to Corinth, there was all kinds of gods there. They said in his day that, that they brought in all kinds of religions and gods in the city of Corinth. Not only did they worship Aphrodite, but at that time when Paul was there, they brought in so many different religions and so many different, uh, from different nations of the world because so many people had come there to live and reside at Corinth who lived in different countries, who worshiped different idols and different gods. And they brought all these gods into the city and they worshiped everywhere. And Paul says, let me tell you that there's only one God. There's only one Savior. There's only one Lord. Hallelujah. And even though he was mocked and made fun of and ridiculed and scorned and rejected by many, God says, there are some in this city that I have. And so the Bible says that Paul stayed there for a solid year and a half preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. For a whole year and a half he stayed there. He first of all went to the synagogue of the Jews in Corinth. And there in the synagogue... uh, he preached to the Jews and the Jews rejected him. And he said, okay, if you don't receive the word, I'll go to the Gentiles. I'll speak to the Gentiles here in Corinth. So he began to preach to the, to the Greeks there at Corinth and began to bring the good news of Jesus. And the man that was the, the leader of the synagogue uh, was beaten. And so Sophonies became the next one that they chose to be the leader of the synagogue. He was beaten. Uh, evidently he must have been a, he must have been uh, I'm not sure they, they believe he might have been a Greek but the thing about it is Paul mentions him in his letter in the first verse uh, where, he, where he writes uh, and by the will of God through the will of God I'm, I'm an apostle and Sophonies our brother so Paul is letting us know look uh, I want you to see here that I'm not just, I'm not just uh, speaking about myself. I'm not just representing something of my own. I'm not in this alone. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to uh, create a movement for, the, for Paul. I want you to understand that there's a brother that you know. Someone who is among you. Who is also with me. Sophonies. Who is among you. So Paul is appealing to them in a way so that they can feel comfortable, so they can understand, look, hey, we know this guy. We know who he is. And so, so they, begin to, they begin to heed what Paul says. You know, if you can appeal to people's uh, uh, sense of, of, of uh, 
you know, well, yeah, I, I know about that. If you can appeal to their, to their, uh, their interest, let them know that you're interested in them. Let them know that you're not coming to just uh, to, to talk to them about yourself, but that you have someone who is like them, and you've come to be with them, and you're letting them know, hey, look, I'm like you, and you're like me, and we're all in this thing together. And the same God that you serve is the same God I serve. And the same God that you know is the same God that I know. Hallelujah. And that's the way churches ought to be. Churches should be to the, should be not that the pastor is some kind of big uh, fellow up here that nobody can touch, nobody can, can get to. He should be like the people are. He's just one of them. He's not somebody high and mighty you can't reach. He's not somebody up here that you can't reach or get to. He ought to be and make himself available to the people. Amen. Because we're, because we're part of one another. And that's what Paul is doing. He is appealing and letting them know, look, I'm one of you. And I have softenings with me. He's also with me by the will of God. And, and, and I understand you. And I know who you are. And let, I want you to know that what we're doing is the work of God. And God is not only working in my life, He's working in Sophony's life. And as well as He's working in His life, He's working in your life. Hallelujah. And, 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 and I want you to know that if, if this wasn't true, then Sophony's wouldn't be preaching you the Word of God. But know this, because He's one of you, then understand, man, that guy's one of us, and look what He's saying. Look what He's preaching. Look what God is doing through that guy, and we know who He is. Brother, when you see somebody you know about, and you see God doing something in their life, you say, wow, look what God is doing in that man's life. And if God can do it for Sophonies, He can do it for me. If God can be real and speak through Sophonies, he can speak through me. Amen. I'm ready to listen to you, Paul. What do you got to say? That's right. Amen. God knows how to appeal. People said, come with me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll show you how to catch men. I'll show you how to appeal to the... To, amen. I'll show you how to appeal to people. I'll show you the way. I'll show you how it's done. God's smart. God is wise. But not only is God smart and wise, but he's understanding and he's loving. And he's kind and merciful. And he cares. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. You know, I was, God, I was praying last night. And I said, Lord, I began to think about what God, how God saves souls. And I said, yes, Lord. When you save souls, that's the most beautiful thing. When somebody is saved, I begin to remember times in times gone by, days gone by, when souls would be saved. And they're still being saved today. Don't get them. You know, I'm not saying that. But I can remember there's times in my life when people would be saved. And I was there to witness that. And it was such a glorious, wonderful thing. And it doesn't matter who they were. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter what their problems were. It doesn't matter how bad things were in their life. It doesn't matter at all about their lives. When they found Jesus... When God saved them, when they was when they was washed in the blood of Jesus, Hallelujah. man, the glory fills their soul and washes everything away. It just washes it all away, and they come out of the church with a smile in their face and a happiness in their heart and a and a praise to God for what He has done in their life. Hallelujah! And it didn't matter about their sin because their sins were gone. And when you see God do something like that in their life, you just rejoice with them and you praise God with them and you, and you just want to hug them and hold them and, and praise God. And just I said, brother, I just love you. Oh, he got good. He is so good, man. Isn't it wonderful to know the Lord? Hallelujah. And instead of them mumbling and complaining about their troubles that they had before, Rejoicing with you, and they don't don't know how to express themselves, but you can see the joy. Their eyes say everything, praise God. You can see it in their face. Their face says it all. And so when they saw Sothenes, they said, Wow, look what God has done for him. So Paul was presenting Sothenes to appeal to the people, a people who didn't know, but he said, Now, I want you to know. Hallelujah. God uses you. When He saves you to appeal to others. Amen. 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 
Amen. He writes to the church of God, which is at Corinth. To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. With all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. You see, Paul is letting them know, look, we're called saints and everyone that calls upon Jesus, He is their Lord and our Lord. He's theirs and He's ours. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Sanctified in Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul has a, you know, he, he has a special uh, reference to the Corinthians. They stand before God. So I, want you, I want you to understand. You stand before God. You are sanctified. You are set aside. You're not part of this corrupt world around you anymore. You're no longer a part of this anymore. But God has called you unto Himself. You who God has called. Hallelujah. Both Jews and Greeks. God has called. God has sanctified. I want you to know that you are set aside for Him. You're no longer a part of this world around you. You're no longer part of the corruption and the depravity in which you live. But God has set you aside for Himself. So God has called us not to behave and act like the world, but as saints of God. It's not that we're all perfect. It's not that we're all holier than thou type people. But that we realize, hallelujah, there's something that has happened to us inside of us that cannot be explained with Greek wisdom or any other wisdom of this world. It is the wisdom of God. It is the working of God. And we know And we know that we have been set aside for His purpose, for His glory, for Christ. Amen. Amen. And that we are not to behave and live as the world around us from, from which God has called us out. God has called us out of this world to follow His Son who is leading us through this world. There is much going on around us today. And we live in the flesh, but we don't live of the flesh. What we have from God is in this earthen vessel of ours, this vessel of flesh, this precious gift of God. Paul says, even though I live In the flesh, I do not live by the flesh, but by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. It's by the Spirit by which we live. And that is what sanctifies us. That is what sets us aside. That's what sets us apart from the world. Love not the world, John says. Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the lust of the flesh... And the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father. It's of this world. And the world passes away. And the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Amen. Amen. He that does the will of God abides forever. What are you laughing at? (laughs) He that does the will of God abides forever. He that does the will of God abides forever. So Paul says, look, by the will of God... By the will of God, you are set aside for Him. And I want you to understand that. He says, you stand before God. They were a part of God's special use. Hallelujah. His aim is to bring them into alignment with their personal standing with God. 
You know, a lot of people need to hear that. They need to hear, they need to, they need to be brought into alignment. They need to understand that they have been called to align with God in their standing with God. Amen. You are not to, you, are, you must understand what God is doing here. Since God has called you out, He's called you out from where you were before. He didn't call you to go down to the temple no more. You don't have to go down to the temple any longer. If you're met with a prostitute on the street, you don't have to give in. If you're met with a, with a drunken sailor, you don't have to go along with him. If they reject you and mock you and, and criticize you for not uh, going with them uh, to their feasts and to their drunken parties, he said, that's all right. You've been called aside. You have been called and set apart. He's letting the Corinthians know. It's okay to be different. <laughs> it's okay to live in Corinth and not act like a Corinthian. Hello. It doesn't matter where you live. You don't have to act like the person where the people you live. You can act like somebody that lives somewhere else. After all, you're no longer a citizen of this earth. You're a citizen of heaven. Hallelujah. So act like it. Live like it. Think like it. Walk like it. Talk like it. Amen. Paul is saying, align yourselves up to who you are. Praise God. Uh, Come out from among them, he says, and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. That's what he's told us. Amen. That's what he told us in the New Testament. The the writer of the New Testament quoted that. It might have been Paul. He says, come out from among. So Paul is like, look, you have a standing with God now. You're separated. So, uh, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to speak. Don't be afraid to be who you are. And then the next thing he says, grace and peace, which is one typical of Paul. He writes in most of his letters. Grace and peace, which is a a Gentile and a Jewish salutation uh, uh, that he uses. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Here, here, Paul is showing that the Son, the Father and the Son are equal. From the, he said, peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's letting them know, look, the gospel that I preach to you and the God that you now serve, Jesus Christ, is equal to the Father. Yes. Peace and grace from God the Father and from the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. They are one and so they are equal. I thank my God always on your behalf. For the grace of God. Hallelujah. Now here, 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 if we will look into this verse a little deeper, we can see why Paul is saying what he's saying. I thank my God always on your behalf. Now, he is, he is, he is, he's thanking God for the very fact that the church that God has brought out. He's thanking God for the very fact that God has has brought this church out of such a corrupt place. He says, I thank God. I thank God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given unto you by Jesus. He says, in the face of all that surrounds you and of all that you've known throughout your life, your whole lifetime, God has called you out. And I thank God for that. I thank God that He brought you from where you was and look where you're at now. Look what God has done. Amen. Look what God has done for you. Men can look at where you were in the city you lived in and say, man, that's impossible. There ain't no way anything good ever going to come out of there. And God says, yeah, there is. I got a plan and I got a way and I know how to do it. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to get my people out of there. I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to save them. I'm going to redeem them. They're going to come to the light out of the darkness and into my life. They're no longer going to roam around in the darkness of the night. They're no longer going to have to be the way. You say, well, if you're a Corinthian, you're always a Corinthian. Who says so? Well, if you're a sinner, always a sinner. Who says so? If you're lost, you're always lost. Who says so? Imagine Paul must look at Corinth and say, man, there ain't no hope for that city. I can imagine there's some cities today you look at and say, man, 
You know, the first thing, it's kind of stupid, you know, the things we say sometimes. We say, man, only God could do anything with that. Yeah, that's right, only God. Or we say something like, man, all you got left is a prayer. You did everything you know to do, now all you can do is pray. <laughs> My gosh. But look what God can do. When somebody looked at your life one day, they said, oh. And I ain't going to mention your name. I could. Look at him. There just ain't no hope for that guy. Ain't no hope for her. I don't know. I've tried and tried and I've prayed and I've talked to him and talked to him and it don't seem to do any good. I just don't think there's any hope. But with God, there's always hope. We may give up on them, but God's not going to give up. After all, we're not the one that saves them. God is. <laughs> Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what I think or say. It was what God says. I'm going to believe what God says. Paul might look at that city and said, I don't see it. I don't see how it's possible. God says it's possible. <laughs> I just don't understand how you're going to reach that city, God. They're so entrenched in, 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 in paganism. They don't know anything about you at all. All they've known is the worship of idols and their, the, the, the privity and the, and the and debauchery and the filth of the city. It's all they've ever known. And to them, that's the normal way of life. It's the normal way of being. To them, they don't think any other way. That's just how they think. They're born that way. They're raised that way. They grow up that way all their lifetime. That's how they think. To them, it's just as normal as breathing. How are you going to change anything in this city? With man, it's impossible. But with God, with God. We look at America today and what's going on in America and, and, and the politics in Washington all across this country and say, my God, this world's country is getting worse. But with God, all things are possible. We know what the Bible says about the end times and the world's going to come to an end. It's going to come, just like God said. But don't ever give up on individual people. Don't ever give up on anybody because God is more than able. God is more than able. You can march right into the, the, the den of the lion's den. You can march right into the middle of it all and God will do the impossible. Because it's not you. It's Him. God wants to use you and He sent you in there to open your mouth for Him and to speak for Him and to, to, to bring the light of the gospel of Jesus into that situation. And Paul says, Hallelujah. It is the power of God. He said in Romans, He said, I'm persuaded and I believe and I know that the gospel of Jesus is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Hallelujah. Let me just, he said, let me just lay it out before you here today and tell you about this man named Jesus. Now, what do you think? What do you think, Corinthians? What do you think, Greeks? What do you think, Americans? What do you think, world? What do you think about Jesus? Is it good? Is it good news? Would you like to believe that this is true for you? Would you like to believe that a man named Jesus died on the cross for your sins? He died and rose again for you. He sent back His Spirit of God for you. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Does it sound good to you? Would you like to have it? Would you like to experience it? I imagine Corinthians said, yeah, you know, Brother Paul, I ain't never heard nothing like that before. <laughs> All we ever heard about was Aphrodite's and, uh, you know, uh, the other fellow down there at the temple. That's all we ever heard. I kind of like this man named Jesus. Tell me more. <laughs> you know, I've, had some, I've, I've been, I've been kind of concerned about my life and I've been burdened down and troubled with care. 
and seem like nothing's going right in my life. The priest down at the temple tells me if I'll just go down there and offer incense and sacrifice to Aphrodite, I'll be okay. But I do that and it's still the same. Nothing changes. And my life is a drudge. My life is boring. My life, I, I, I'm, just, I'm, I, I'm just to the point where I'm just, I just want to give up and quit. I just want to die. I don't want to go on. I don't want to live anymore like this. Paul says, God sent me down here just for you to tell you that God gives you a reason for living. God gives you a reason. And He overcomes every obstacle in your life. He destroys every evil in your life through Jesus Christ. Every burden, every care that you have, every concern in life that you have, God takes care of that through His Son. If you believe on Him, trust Him. And He will set you free. Hallelujah. I thank God, Paul says. I just thank God on your behalf. On your behalf. Did you ever thank God on somebody's behalf? We're always thanking God for what He's done for us. How about begin to thank God for what He's done for James here? Or Robin. Or Carlos. Or whoever's here this morning, begin to thank God for what He's done in their lives. Said, Oh God, thank you. And begin to rejoice with them. And you know what? That'll lift you up. That'll strengthen you. Amen? Amen. That'll draw you closer to Jesus. (laughs) It will. It'll draw you closer to Him. And so, as, as Paul begins to thank God, Peace be unto you from Him who has called you. That in everything you are enriched by Him. In all utterance. And in all knowledge. Remember I talked about knowledge last Sunday. It was last Sunday. Knowledge shall fill the earth. Well, the knowledge of the Lord shall fill the earth. And here he says, God is enriching you with His knowledge. Not the knowledge of this world, not the wisdom of this world, but the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God to us. And don't be concerned about what you say and what you know. To the Corinthians, that meant a lot. To the, to the, to the uh, children of the mind, which were the Greeks, this statement was very important to them. That God, through Christ, enriches us with all utterance and with all knowledge. He gives to us many gifts. He gives to us all that we need to be children of God, to be the wise and the graceful, to be ones who are merciful and understanding. He gives us, he gives us an insight into ourselves and makes us understand the world around us and where He brought us from and where He's taken us to. When God saves you and you know who you are and you know where you've been, when God saves you, He brings you to the understanding of what has happened to you and what God has done for you and where He's bringing you. If you don't know that, you ain't been saved yet. But when you're saved, you know that something's going on and God is bringing you to a place, hallelujah, that you've never been before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you don't have to worry about what people say about you. Say, what in the world are you going to say? I ain't worried about what I'm going to say. God's going to give me words to say. I'm not going to worry about how I'm going to act. God's going to show me how to act. I'm not going to worry about how to behave. The Lord will show me how to behave. Because He's put that inside of me. And I know. And whatever it is I need to know at the time I need to know it, I will know it. And whatever it is I need to speak at the time I need to speak, I'll speak it. Hallelujah. Because that word 
begins to abide in us and the knowledge of God fills our hearts and our minds with the wisdom of God. And we can even debate with the philosophers. <laughs> oh yeah, Christian man, Christian woman, you can even go down to the Acropolis and debate with the greatest philosophers of the day. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. Don't feel like you're not worthy or you're not, you're not able. You're more than able. Greater is he that's in you, Paul said, than he that's in the world. Greater is the wisdom. Greater is the knowledge. Greater is the Spirit of God than the Spirit of this world. Because after all, all the wisdom of the world, has, is, is, uh, the, 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 what's in charge of that is the Spirit of this world. The devil is in charge of all of the wisdom and the knowledge of, the, of this world. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He brings men into the knowledge of things that Bible says that men get to the point where they create uh, the imaginations of their heart. They create evil things. And they do evil things because they have the knowledge to be able to do what they want to do. And Satan comes in there and he uses that knowledge and he uses their talents and he uses the gift that God gives man to create something that is evil and ungodly and perverse and against God. And they get to the point where they say, well, we don't need God. We're smart and we're wise and we don't need any other God. We, we know what to do. We know how to do. And we're going to do whatever it is we want. And so the people say, well, what are you going to say? And how are you going to act? And what are you going to, how are you going to answer the world? How are you going to stand up to this? And oftentimes I've listened to people speak. And I say, you know, Lord, them people are awful smart. <laughs> They're really smart and knowledgeable people. And I wouldn't want to get in a debate with them. And the Lord would say to me, never be afraid. If I put you there before them, he says, open your mouth and I will fill it. You don't have to be a great philosopher. Amen. All you got to be is a child of God. You don't have to be a Greek. All you got to be is a child of God. Full of the grace of God. Full of the spirit of God. Amen. And God gives us the wisdom. God gives us the grace. God gives us the confidence of Jesus Christ. Paul, when he went to the, the city of Corinth, what did he go in there with? He went in there with the confidence of Jesus Christ. The great corrupt city of Corinth. The great commercial hub of the entire world at that day. Filled with all kinds of vice and violence and corruption. And the philosophy of the Greeks was everywhere and in every place, in every house. In every mind. But Paul came in the confidence of Christ. Not in the spirit of this world, but in the spirit of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The light of God penetrates the darkest places. Amen. The mercy and grace of God penetrates the most wicked, the most corrupt place on earth. God is more than able to bring out of some place that looks impossible and make it possible. God is able to save from the uttermost to the guttermost. God is able to save, save anybody, anywhere, anytime, any place, because He is God and there is none other beside Him. He has all power in heaven and in earth. And Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. All power is given to me, he says, all power. Don't be afraid of the powers that be. Don't be afraid of those that be. He says, all of us given into my hands and I have authority over all. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So when Paul walked into Corinth, praise God, he walked into the authority of Jesus Christ in the face of all Greek philosophy and all the lewdness and the corruption that there was in the city. Paul stood up in Christ Jesus and proclaimed the grace and mercy of God. And salvation and redemption and healing and restoration and all that God offers to the world. God says, don't be afraid. Stand fast. Be bold. Open your mouth. I have people in the city. Don't be afraid. Stand up for me. Don't go, don't, don't go hush your mouth. Don't back off. But stand up. Praise God and I'll stand with you. Open your mouth and I'll be right there with you. 
Somebody says, well, I don't know if I can talk to anybody on the streets. My God, don't be afraid to talk to anybody in the streets. Open your mouth and Jesus will stand there with you. Yes, he will. He'll be, he won't see him, but he's right there. Be bold. Be brave. This is the land of the... What is America? The land of the free and the home of the brave. Why are we so brave, America? I'll tell you why. It's Jesus. For He is Lord of all. If we Americans didn't know that, let me tell you something this morning. I don't care what they tell you. I don't care what they say. If we didn't know that Jesus is Lord of this nation, we would not be the land of the free. Amen. You take Jesus away from this country, away from this nation, you take Jesus out of the, the central part of life in America, and you ain't got no America. Now they're not going. They're not going to tell them that from Washington. They're not going to stand up. They're not going to stand up in the in the universities and the schools and tell them that. But I'm telling you that. Amen. Jesus Christ is Lord of all, and without Him being Lord, there would be no America today. You would not live in a free country and enjoy the benefits and the privileges that you have as an American today. God has given you that. Christ has given you that. So let us use it. Let us take advantage. Let us stand up for Christ. Hallelujah. If Paul could go into Corinth in the most depraved city on earth and proclaim Christ in the face of, of adversity, in the face of the Roman Empire, he went to Rome itself and proclaimed Jesus Christ. How much more can we here in America proclaim Jesus to this land and this people? Amen. Amen. Know this one thing. The grace of God is with you. And He'll never leave you. Stand with me. <coughs> Hallelujah. What must I do, O oh God, in my life as a Christian, the very first thing He wants of us is to stick with Him. Stay in His presence. Be filled with His Spirit and His Word. Be filled with Him. And as you stay in His Word, He will give you the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding and all that you need to stand for Christ in a darkened world. Hallelujah. And so I thank God this morning for this church. I thank God for what He's doing in your life. I thank God for what He's doing in so many lives of people that listen to, to, to our services here and listen to the sermons here and the songs that you sing. They're listening. And God is touching lives and saving lives. He's bringing families together. He's, he's, he's healing broken hearts. He's, those that have been discouraged and, and fallen away are coming back to God. Because God is doing something. He said, don't be afraid. Be faithful. Amen. Be faithful to do what I've called you to do. Stand up and speak. Open your mouth and speak for me. Sometimes you feel like, God, I'm not doing much for you. I'm not really much of a Christian. I'm not, you know, my little old life don't mean much. Don't ever believe that. If you're a child of God, your life is everything. If you're a child of God, it's everything. Hallelujah. And don't ever think for a moment that God don't want you or God don't want anything to do with you or that you're not worth it or that or there's something else. That's Satan's lie to you. Don't believe that. That's right. Believe what God says. Amen. Hallelujah. Peace and grace. As Paul said, a grace and peace. Be unto you. I want you to know you stand with God and God's grace and peace is upon you. 
Amen. Hallelujah. You have confidence. You have peace. You have the joy of the Lord in your hearts. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid. Hallelujah. Amen. God, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing. On their behalf, I give you thanks. And all of us this morning, on behalf of others across this country and around the world, we give thanks. We give thanks, Lord. We give thanks for those souls that you have touched through our lives. Even people among our own loved ones and our own family. That you have touched their lives. You've spoken to them. You've, you've intervened in their lives in some way, God, through us. Because of what we've said or what we've done or what you've used us, God, for your glory. That we are a light. That we are the salt of the earth. And we make a difference. And you've made the difference through us and in us. Help us not to be afraid. Embolden us, Father. Embolden us. Strengthen us. Help us. Encourage us. Oh, Holy Spirit, you came to encourage us. To be our comforter, our encourager. To get up and go on. And don't be afraid. Because you stand fast with God. And God has called you out. And you stand aside. You are, you are set apart for Him. Hallelujah.